Welcome to the Mount Hammer podcast. It is episode 100, guys. 100. One bloody hundred. Steve's working out whether he can talk yet before I introduce him. Oh, him yeah, or yeah. Not. Okay, cool. <laughs> Hooray. Well done. 100. Congratulations. Hooray. I mean, Hooray. it's a pretty bad rewrite of history that is only number one. I don't know what you right? mean, mate. It's <laughs> yeah. the only 100th episode of the Mount Hammer podcast that has ever been made. Sure. Ever. Uh, I am Mal. Joining me today to my left, Mount Hammer deputy editor and queen of all things goth and gloomy uh, is Miss Eleanor Goodman. Hi, Al. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good. Joining me to my right, special guest host of today's show, also host of the OG Mount Hummer podcast way back in the day. Yeah. Also current Mount Hummer writer and host of the right, nearly called it the Right Hill podcast. Then that would be a bit <laughs> yeah, picking you up too much. The Right wow. Acts podcast. Mr. Stephen Hill. Hey, man. Hi, Hello. Steve. Hi, Mo. Hey, Eleanor. How the hell are you, mate? I'm, I'm really good. Thanks. Really good. good. <laughs> yeah, Very I am. Actually, it's nice it. to be back on um, where it all started, I suppose. I know. We used it's to do this. Do you know, we haven't done this, this actual type of show since 2013, well, Merlin, me and you. What, at all? No, well, not. we haven't done a Metal Hammer podcast together since 2013. That is fucking 2013. crazy. Goodness Where's me. Where's the time gone? Seven years. We might as well all be dead. Should we talk about all the stuff that's happened in between? No. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Let's, Let's not. definitely not do that. <laughs> Jesus. Steve was on, on mission for Metal Hammer today. Did a little thing with a certain band called uh, Code Orange, which I'm sure we'll be hearing more of very, very soon at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, sounds like it was a, a jolly old time. I love those guys, both musically and personally. Yeah. I can uh, tell. I, I, I really <laughs> love Code Orange. You That's do. it. I not, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. <laughs> they, they, they got an album coming out. It's, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be going into that on here. I'm sure Steve will. In fact, I know that he has gone uh, big on it in yeah. something you can all read at some point down the line. And yeah, Ellen and I will be talking about that soon at some it's point really also. Mm-hmm. It's really bloody good. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Metal Hammer stuff, don't forget that you can still pick up uh, your, well, some of the exclusive Class of 2020 bundles online. Uh, tinyurl.com forward slash buyhammer is the address. The Devin Townsend bundle is sold out. So if you're hoping to get hold of one of those awesome Ziltoy Collector Cubs, you're too late, baby. No chance. Uh, but there are still awesome bundles with the likes of Merkir, Parkway Drive, and King Diamond, all featuring cool merchandise and in some cases signed stuff as well. They are very good. So get over to tinyurl.com forward slash buyhammer while you can, because as you know, they do sell out. Uh, it's been a big week for Slipknot, hasn't it? Yeah. A big, big week. Lots of celebratory vibes in the air for them. Uh, Steve, you were at the O2 Arena for their biggest ever, well, certainly headline, UK indoor, headline show, you could indoor, call it. Indoor, yeah, headline yeah, show. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get to. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it was, it is amazing. Um, I, I've got, I actually got quite, I don't know if emotional is the right word, but I felt it was a really, really special night. There was something about going into that room and seeing, um, you know when you, you see a, a gig and it's sold out and then you go and you yeah. go, well, I can see a little pocket of, t- of handful of seats there. I can see, it, you know, that, that floor doesn't look sold out. I mean, in this case, in this instance, sold out meant sold out. And I was, you know, I'm not, this is, this is a humble brag, but I was one of those people at the Astoria in 1999 who saw that first ever Slipknot show. And if you told me then they'd be back in two years, I probably would have gone, I can't see how you can physically do that. 
for that length of time. So to see them fill a venue that is usually pop, like had the, I think to, yes last night there was the National Television Awards at that venue. To see it not just with Slipknot playing, but apt like you could not fit another human being in that room. It was absolutely packed. To see them like twenty years later at that venue was was it's so massive mm. it felt like you know it, it felt like as special i mean maybe not as special but it felt comparable to like that that download 2009 performance just the atmosphere was before they even came on it, it, it just had that you know when you go into a room sometimes you just feel like something mm-hmm. sort of magnificent is about to happen and and i felt that from the moment i kind of went and took my seat um i got a shout out behemoth who were a staggeringly brilliant support band mm. like there were people who would have been there who probably didn't know who behemoth were who probably have never been exposed to any kind of extreme metal at all almost certainly in yeah. some cases yeah and by the end you know you you just saw these people standing up and in raptures for this band like they were amazing seeing a circle pit for behemoth seeing people like pumping their f- like you know kind of about two-thirds of the arena pumping their fists to like blow your trumpets Gabrielle and the stage set I mean they brought their whole stage set that they brought for their headline tour the year before I mean if you just said to me that was a headline you know we were walking out and I was like if you'd have told me 10 years ago that was a is that or asked me is that a headline slot or is that a support slot you'd think it was a headline slot Wow. you would have thought I'm, I've seen bands headline the O2 and not bring as much fire and not bring as much um stage set and certainly not brings much personality as behemoth brought it was amazing like an amazing like support slot really really brilliant and it was pretty much full from like i just say just just over two-thirds full when they came on like it was really full so that was amazing to see but slipknot um i think we spoke last year when they played download which is probably the best time i've seen them pretty much since pretty much since that download 2009 show they were amazing last year download they were really really good and you know the album's excellent the new songs that they they did from the the new record sounded incredible all out life particularly which i know is not even on the record but that live is just so great and um the stage set as well you know borrowed a little bit from ramstein they've got um treadmills Sid Wilson on the treadmill, kind of doing, a moon, doing everyone's a moon, having a bit of that now. Doing a moonwalk on the treadmill. Since nineteen seventy-five, I started doing that as well recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wow. um, V-Man had the like uh, Richard from Ramstein has the big pyro flamethrower thing attached to his guitar. He had one of them, but I don't know. Just they've got, they've just got such great songs. And when they go into like the last run, I think the the last run of songs I did at the end was like Wait and Bleed. Um, oh, they brought out Wayne, Wayne Bleed, Bleed Eyeless, the Duality, Sick, People Equal Shit, Surfacing. Like, you cannot fuck with that. Yeah. You think they're, they're, they're like, uh, you can count on one hand the amount of bands that could end their set with a run of songs that go that, that hard to that many people. It was amazing. And they sound like, when you're, pl- when you're playing Eyeless to 20,000 people, like that song is so heavy. That like yeah. motherfucker yeah, bit of yeah. that. that when the riff da, da, slows boom. down, yeah, yeah. And probably you, my favorite bit. And of I, any I kept song. looking around and going, "Is this?" And you know, we we I was I managed to get seats kind of third row from the front on the bottom block of the 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 seating, um, 
on the on the, the sort of lower tier and not just looking on the floor and seeing you know a proper bouncy up and down circle pit mosh like it was it was going crazy it's like a soup of people but looking up to like the last five rows at the back of the arena and just seeing it swaying I and mean, like the whole arena was moving um and they played Always Look on the Bright Side of Life when they left as well, which is a nice little okay. tribute to Terry Jones from Monty Python. And it's just, yeah. I mean, when you get a gig like that, people can kind of, you know, you, you, you people can get a bit sneery about Slipknot, kind of older, proper, like quote-unquote proper metal fans. But when you go to a gig like that and you see the amount of people that they move, mm. do you know what I mean? It's, it's pretty incredible. And to be doing that a show with that level of intensity that is that spectacular and them as a and them still feel like a band and still be playing still be writing great music i it was it was so great mm. so great i loved it amazing absolutely amazing and then uh was it the day after or two days later l got to see all of that energy and chaos and madness condensed into a hundred capacity venue at made of l studios <laughs> that's chris slipknot yeah. slipknot uh, radio one thingamajig was, How the hell was that? It was really amazing and really weird as well. So it was at Made of Ale, which is obviously the legendary BBC studio where they've captured performances from a ton of iconic musicians. So there was a really special atmosphere going in because everyone knew that it meant something to have a band like Slipknot, mm. who, like you said, are so extreme when you actually stop and think about it, playing somewhere like the BBC, which is the establishment, and there's a weight of expectation, responsibility there to watch a show like that knowing that that's going to get committed to tape forever and ever and get put in some bbc archive somewhere forever and ever and ever so mm. there's there is a definitely a prestige attached to it and so going in everyone knew it was going to be special and then obviously the size of it as well because this room dan p carter from the rock show obviously it was organized by the rock show and he was hosting and he was kind of looking around going oh how many people are here and I guess about 120 and there's this, we all had to be silent anyway because of the recording, but there's this kind of silent hush where there was a bit of sort of reverence. People almost didn't really want to even say anything in the room because it, yeah, it just had this really weird atmosphere. It was really strange. And it's like a, the studio is obviously a big soundproof room. So there's no like windows or outside contacts and they're just these lights of strips of lights across the back wall kind of heating you up making you really hot um and then obviously we were sort of standing along one side of the room and then the other side of the room they just had all the kit on the floor so it was just the crowd and the kit and like no stage oh or anything slipknot floor show that is yeah. unbelievable yeah <laughs> and there was like a white line you weren't allowed to cross but i was slightly behind that so we didn't have to worry too much <laughs> What happens if you cross it? You die. Clown just batters <laughs> you with a baseball bat. Well, I was going to say, it's one of the, you, I guess you cross it at your own risk, really, don't you? <laughs> yeah. But they were, as well as recording for the radio session, which you'll hear in a few weeks' time, stay tuned to the Radio on Rock Show pages and Dan Picasso's social for that. They were also recording it with actual cameras as well. So there's footage of it somewhere. I don't know what the plan is for that. So yeah, there were lots of cameras around, basically. So we all had to be warned to keep out the way of the cameras and... Uh, Shout out to uh, one of our uh, listeners who I saw, Finmeister101. He uh, got hit in the glasses with a camera. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor, 
Finnmeister. <laughs> His real name is Kyle Finnerton. In the glasses. I'm sorry, with Kyle. Is <laughs> that you announcing no his one. death then? Yeah, that happens here, he Kyle. Was hit in the glasses. Yeah. Um, so it was. Oh, sorry, Ben Meister. So what I'm saying is, it was tight. What a story, though. It was a tight squeeze in that. Like you tell your kids that. Yeah. And what was really cool as well is that the crew were all wearing. You know, you get crew t-shirts at gigs where it says like the band name on it and crew. Yeah. And yeah. They, you know, for each tour you get a crew t-shirt. They had crew boiler suits, so it said Slipknot times BBC One on them, and it's really really cool. Like black boiler suits. They played one song off each album, didn't they? Yeah, I'm getting to that. All right. Anyway, it was really cool, like atmosphere. And then Dan came on and like did a Q&A and spoke about how it was like the Bing Crosby suite. And it had all this history. And so it was a Q&A with Clown, Jim and Jay. And they were kind of talking about the London show, which you were just talking about. Yeah. And it was quite... Said it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Jim said that uh, wow is mom upside down actually don't know why and then yeah but he was quite sweet he was saying that they get more nervous in cities where there are industry and press about which I don't know you know why you would think that when you're in Slipknot it's mad but he was quite sweet it was sort of sounded a little bit vulnerable and they were all saying they hadn't done a show that small in 20 years and that they really wanted to do club shows and a clown said a lot about his art I'm sure you'll hear that in a few weeks um, bet, so I'll yeah, then, then <laughs> he loves his art. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. So then, like a guy with a clapperboard came over and like used it, and we were like, "Oh, slip not going to come on, slip not going to come on." Oh, this is mad, and everyone was kind of feeling really like manic. Did they do the Q and A in the masks, by the way? They did. Yeah. Okay. Cool, I was going to say it was really weird, like because you can't see clown's mouth move; it's just chrome. So that was cool. He's got a really cool mask, and Jim, I think, with his mask. You notice this on stage as well. You just notice his eyes moving all the time. Like his mask kind of stays in one place and it's black and white and you just kind of see the whites of his eyes moving around. So He was actually, cool. he was like a gym route when he walked on at the O2. <laughs> he was wearing kind of white trousers and I thought he'd sort of, I thought he'd come on with just the shirt on and no tr- I thought he'd come on just in his pants. <laughs> Someone else said to me that his legs looked like um, small yeah he doesn't really look like he should be in the band so i'm like with all due respect to him like you see all these sort of nutters and then jim root kind of looks like he should be in the white stripes but just with a with a mask on he had red trousers you know i, mean? I think at the show at i don't know what you mean at all well you know <laughs> he's seven kind of tall with a massive beard yeah he's uh, sort of he's got mean, a curly is... moustache hipstery he looks like a barista doesn't he <laughs> this is what i meant about his vulnerability it was quite sweet because you really don't expect that from a nine-headed mega band no. play metal you know you just think why would you care what anyone thinks about you mm. um so tell us about the bloody show well oh it was doing the build-up so yeah so we waited for a while uh we were like oh no are they gonna have their time cut short because it was seemed to be a bit delayed and then they came on and we were just like ah this is insane they did a song from each album i'm not going to say what they are just because i think you probably want to listen to the session and get surprised that you can probably see online and they um yeah, it was just mad. So, I think you can talk about the songs. People, if you, right, don't hit, if you don't want to hear, I'll talk about the songs. Skip ahead about <laughs> three minutes. So yeah, they came on and did Unsainted, and they just came on like wordlessly, and it was just that feeling of like this is really mad that they're so close. Um, and it sounded a little bit muted, which I thought was probably due to the fact that they were all like mic'd up and being recorded and all that. 
But then Corey did say later on he'd like um, done his voice in a bit in London. So mm. he was apologising a bit for that. Um, but hey, it was just... He wasn't the only one, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone, I think everyone was just like, you know, literally thinking, what the fuck, they're right there. And also with the cameras, I think people were sort of trying to, at least, you know, the tra- the crowd was sort of getting into it a bit more, I think, because there was like um, a knowledge that it was being recorded and all that. Um, they played Psychosocial. Which was really cool because you know how you get like the keg noise, mm. like Ping. To- yeah. <laughs> so Tortilla Man was like well going for it, and it was like had that really obvious hit hitting kind of a sound on the barrel. And it, I believe that that's cool. officially called a pang. Is it right? There we go then. <laughs> <laughs> they obviously didn't have any kind of platforms, but they had like three drums and a keg on the floor. Um, and Jim uh, looked really cool. Like we're just saying, Jim's Jim. He looked cool. Clown was going for it on the other side of the room. Uh, Mick was looking very Mick and imposing. Um, and it was just, I think, yeah, it was another one of like, oh my gosh, a Slipknot! Ah! Um, at one point, Corey swore and then it's like, oh, I'm going to get fined for swearing. It's the BBC. Um, I mean, if you can make Corey Taylor go six songs without swearing, that's, <laughs> that's like a Hall of Fame achievement in itself. Um, and, that yeah, it was weird, like, Obviously, Corey said about his voice and he sort of asked at one point if we could help out with the singing. And he came kind of like uh, up really close to the crowd and was like singing in our faces, which I've never been that close at a Slipknot gig. And it was really weird because you're like, I am singing into Corey's face. Corey is singing into our faces. That was quite Were surreal. people a bit like um, almost self-conscious about it in a way? Because I've been to gigs where bands do that in like clubs and you get a bit like, whoa, when a band's right up in your face. But having like Corey Taylor in his mask screaming in your face. Or yeah. People, are people were kind of, were people just losing their shit or were people kind of... I think it was a mixture of people losing their shit but aware of where they were. Because I don't tend to like do a huge amount in a crowd. I have to say like, I just... Lazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get excited about stuff and... As you guys know, I'll be really annoying and like scream words and go, ah, this is happening. But I'm not really like somebody who will get massively involved physically because I'm weak and pathetic. But it was one of those things where because Corey was like right there and singing and you you kind of had to, like I said, you had to get involved in it or you would have just, it would have been stupid to just stand there while Slipknot are right there and, you know. So you kicked a child over is what you're saying, basically. But that was cool. So he was like staring in everyone's eyes and uh, duality. They played duality. That was cool. Mm. And the devil and I. Yeah, they didn't play anything from uh, uh, London. They didn't play anything from the Grey Chapter at all, which I thought was odd. Oh, right. Yeah. Because well, I know they played that's... the devil and I from the Grey Chapter. Not at the O2. Oh, the O2 they didn't. Sorry. Oh, oh. Interesting. They didn't play anything from um, no, they didn't. Um, record. It's weird because obviously that's being criticised by some people, but yeah. they've always stood by it. So I'm surprised to hear there was nothing from there. Um, Sid was in a red robe. He was doing all of, all of his hand gestures and doing a bit of sort of stalking around. <laughs> um, and then Corey said, they're not going to play this on the BBC. We might as well have our dicks out. And he was sort of talking about that. And then he's like, this song is Slipknot with our dicks out. And we were like, what's it going to be? And it was disaster piece. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. Choosing that from Iowa of all songs. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And then you couldn't hear Corey that well, but the crowd were like mad. And it definitely felt like one of those things where, like you said about people being self-conscious, I think at the beginning, 
some people were self-conscious by that point everybody had just thrown themselves into it and it was like this is happening right now ah so i think sort of that had been cast off um and then clown came down into the crowd bit where we were and he was just like there and i was like i don't really know what to do clown was just standing in front of me and he had a massive minder with him so you didn't want to really like really? get too close <laughs> yeah. you sure that wasn't mick <laughs> It looked like Mick, to be honest, just without the mask. Wow. So he kind of sung, like, got in people's faces for a bit, which is cool, again, to do, like, a floor show and to get up close is nice. And then Sid was fanning Corey with, like, a big red Slipknot record because um, everyone was, like, really hot. That's a little, <laughs> a little, a little detail. <laughs> a little detail for it's you. And then Corey was like, why didn't you do this before? I'm going to have a word with you afterwards because it was really hot. Um, and they played Wait and Bleed. Hooray. Yeah. Sounds like a And a everyone left and just went, what the fuck was that? What did we just see? This is like a once in a lifetime thing. This is weird. And yeah, it was it was great. It was weird, but it was great. So the two most polar opposite gig experiences you could have. And yeah, yeah. it's funny because you both kind of have turned around and talked about intensity and power and emotional response. And, you know, they're in a an good, incredible band. They're in a good place as well, aren't they, Slipknot? I mean, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Point Five, the great chapter. And around that period, I still would always go and watch them because they're always great but i think i really feel like they've been completely re-energized and doing a massive show like that and then also going we want to play club shows and and actually the one thing i didn't say is they really if if ever, if ever i have had a criticism about slipknot live it's that i never feel like they mix a set list up enough but stuff like dropping eeyore like third in a set at the o2 like you just you haven't heard that for a long time and disaster pieces coming in and stuff yeah. like that like you know it feels like they're they've they've kind of not reset but it feels it, like everyone's on side with them again at mm. download they did all the old material as well yeah i they, can't remember which songs they played well but. it was a really weird it was a weird but brilliant set list at download because i don't mm. think they did play wait and bleed there and they didn't no, they play didn't, left behind they didn't play yeah did no they play but they played play? some of the remember. rarer ones from early records but i can't yeah. remember any titles yeah. now but like they did like they did new abortion the other day and people like you probably like Corey was saying oh, i'm sorry we dropped wait and bleed so for and he was like for everyone who was at the astoria this is for you. It was for you, it, Steve. I know it was for me. I was like, <laughs> you mean me, Corey. Specifically me. Uh, and <laughs> cheers, mate. And um, yeah, it was Bang. yeah, it was good. But they're you know, they're um they're uh, this if this is like I mean how I don't know how long they can carry on doing slipknot for. Really. I mean, I, I mean, think the way they are in their current form, they could go another decade at least. I really mm. do. You know, they're not they're not like literally throwing themselves into crowds and stuff now, are they? Yeah. They they've they've kind of had to rein some of that stuff in a little bit but <clears throat> as you've both said you know this, you're still watching nine people on stage losing their shit they've got a massive show to come with it now um and yeah now they're doing their own festival as well in the uk and and yeah. that feels really exciting in a, in a world where we've got so many festivals all trying to stand out and be unique but a, a, a festival curated by slipknot and presented in their image is a really exciting thing so I yeah can't wait it's for just that. a great time to be a slipknot fan mm -hmm. it was really cool as well just like you said, to just see how exciting it all was. Mm. You know, it could easily at this point feel boring or like it's run out of steam, but it just didn't. Well, it's the kind of thing that like, you know, Metallica, for whatever you think about their recorded output, are always trying to do something new, always push themselves, always mm. mixing things up. And I think that's kind of the key to, if you're a sort of massive, you know, Maiden do it as well, you know, if you that's kind of the key to being a, a massive metal band, I think. And it's something that Slipknot maybe 
it's the one thing I think you could go, well, Slipknot haven't really done that so much, but doing a cruise, like really leaning on their whole back catalogue. They've got this amazing back catalogue and I was always like, oh, they don't really lean on it enough and, and they sort of started, they have done it now and doing kind of tiny shows like that. It's mm. getting to the point where, you know, they are the band, aren't they? Like post mm. kind of when Maiden and Metallica and, you know, Sabbath already gone, like Slipknot will be that band. Yeah, they kind of, they absolutely sorry. are. So I think, it's a really good blueprint for them to kind of follow bands like Maiden and Metallica and, and mix up as much as and do as much stuff as they possibly can do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, here's to whatever else they continue to do. Absolutely. After this. Absolutely. Uh, two sad deaths in the metal world to talk about this week. Um, firstly, former cynic and death drummer, Sean Reinert has died uh, aged 48. Uh, this was news that broke over the weekend. Uh, Sean was a founding member of Cynic, who were, of course, a massive influence on the heavier end of the progressive metal genre. Um, he drummed on Death's 1991 album, Human, which again was a vital record for the evolution of metal, especially extreme metal. Um, he was instrumental in setting a new bar for technical drumming in metal, and I think on Human especially, you can hear that. It's absolute powerhouse performance on that album. Um, so yeah, he's a huge loss to the to the metal scene. Um, and uh, a highly, highly influential musician and artist. Uh, former Cynic bandmate Sean Malone has actually posted a tribute to him as well, which you can read in full over at Metal Hammer now. Uh, so yeah, that sucks. Um, and then uh, only a couple of days later, if that, uh, we got the news that Corrosion of Conformity drummer Reed Mullen had died as well at the age of 53. Um, so yeah, a couple of huge deaths this week. Uh, that news about uh, Reed was confirmed by Corrosion themselves on social media. Um, I think it was yesterday morning or so. Um, and their statement read, Reed, it's with heavy hearts that we say goodbye to a friend, a brother and pioneer. Love and condolences to the family, friends and fans who will miss you and thanks for the music. Um, in a similar way to, to Sean Reinert's contribution, um, Reed was a, a founding member of his band. He was a founding member of Corrosion. Um, again, massively important part of the scene, very loved uh, part of the scene as well. Um, and tributes have been flooding in all over the place across the rock and metal spectrum. So you can kind of just get an idea of how important he was um, from the from what people have been saying about him. Uh, I know both of you guys are big Corrosion fans as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just really sad. Yeah, it's, I mean, for both, I think for, you know, for both of them, I mean, to kind of go back to Sean Ryan up for a second, you know, mm. I remember hearing... Yeah, of course. Um, the, the name cynic kind of bandied around in the late 90s when i started to get into more extreme music and it was you know that their debut album focus which is was was kind of this like classic i, I never managed to get actually my hands you know when you have to go and try and find records back mm. in the day so i didn't it took me a long time to actually hear them and by the time i had i actually got to hear it i could i'd heard all the stuff that had been influenced by um yeah he's a incredible drummer and it always felt like there was a real magic around that album and certainly um I would actually, I'd point you in the direction of, if you've got Amazon Prime, there's a, a documentary about death, the entire back catalogue of death with, um, you know, it's mostly about Chuck, but Sean's actually interviewed on it and he comes across as like really, really thoughtful, very articulate, um, really passionate about metal. And also, I mean, the other thing he didn't say is in t he came out in 2014 in a time where, and as one of the first kind of extreme metal musicians to kind of openly do that. And there was, I remember, you know, obviously there's absolutely no place for any kind of oh, homophobic bullshit in our scene whatsoever. But, the, you know, it was definitely a brave thing to do at that time. And his husband posted a really, like, heartbreaking message on Instagram, which I saw. So, you know, if you should go and, go and, um, 
and and read that. Mm. Uh, yeah, really sad. And as for as for Reed Mullin, I mean, Animosity by Crazy Conformity was is a really essential um, sort of bridge between cro- hardcore and crossover thrash. But for me, like hearing COC and the Deliverance and Wise Blood in the nineties. I mean, that band are just so underrated and going from that kind of crossover thrash thing, turning into a, this sort of groovy mm. Southern rock band. And, you know, if you're a fan of something like Down, I I don't think there's much better than those records in, in that, that America's style. America's like Volume so Dealer great. as well. Yeah, That's it's a, a great record. record. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, like massively underrated band. So great. And should, you know, they toured with Metallica in the, when I first heard of them in the mid 90s, they were touring with Metallica and, you know, when Wise Blood came out around the same time as Load, it was, you know, obviously people didn't really like Load. I love it, by the way. But um, but people were going, oh, Wise Blood's like the album that Metallica should have made at the time. And it's, you know, it's a great record. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a shame for both guys are like massive, massive losses. Absolutely. Um, Download have added... Uh, pretty much the genre of rock music to their bill this <laughs> how week. many bands merlin i think it's 40, 47 isn't is it 47 oh my God. don't need to count them do we and the, and the whole wrestling thing as well someone want to go through all these they're all listed here we could split them up no come on right i'm gonna do it then. <laughs> that's just asking for trouble okay you do it Elle. all right these are all the bands that download have just added deep breath mastodon lacuna coil sepultura alter bridge the darkness funeral for a friend amaranth bowling for soup Cemetery Sun, The Distillers, Employed to Serve, Five from the Gods, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, Gender Rolls, Glorious Sons, Haken, Hatari, Heavy Lungs, Ahara, Higher Power, Holding Absence, JJ Wild, Loathe, The Menzingers, Milk Teeth, Modern Era, Motionless in White, North Lane, Press Club, Polyphia, The Raven Age, Renounced, Tempt, Twin Temple, Sleep Token, Shapes, Sully, The Skints, Three Doors Down, Fire is Murder, Will Haven, and Wage War. And NXT. NXT UK. UK. Well, thoughts on this latest announcement? I mean, it's it's one of those where there's so much stuff in it that it's You're just always like, gonna have a There's some stuff things, I like yeah. in there, there's some stuff I don't like in there. Mm. It's got just about everything. <laughs> yeah. Anything in there you're particularly excited to see at download specifically? Will Haven. Yeah, sure. I love Will Haven. That. They're one of my favourite bands. I really love the Menzingers. I really love Pup. Um, um, I like that renounced album a lot. I mentioned yeah. that on any of your podcasts. I think Steve, you actually recommended that to me, did you? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. It's that is really good. good. There are a lot of bands down the bottom. I mean, yeah, the third and fourth stage at Download looks really good. I'm quite excited. This is a bit niche, but I'm quite excited about Hatari because I wanted to see them since seeing them on Eurovision. And they came and played the Dome, I think it was like earlier last year sometime but mm. i couldn't go but i just want to see what they're like live because they're, they're like sort of weird fetish rock band oh, oh. I don't do, know. do you remember them from eurovision well i would they're have had ones... to have watched eurovision <laughs> too <laughs> why would you not well, watch Eurovision because i mean come on i can't watch everything and I, I, I remember them. I'm not going to watch uh, them. Yeah. I'm They're probably like, not going to watch them. <laughs> oh, why are you guys being mean? I'm not being, being mean. mean. Just disagreeing. But I don't know anything about them, but I haven't seen... They're from Iceland watch. and they incorporate BDSM style clothing and they're sort of a bit industrial, but like they're more rock than metal. Oh, well, they sound... 
I mean, after that sale, I'm Fine, definitely... Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the worst sale. I was just trying to explain it. Uh, if you can imagine industrial music, but dressed differently. But, dressed but take off the edges sexy. and dress them sexy. <laughs> I just think they've got an interesting aesthetic. And they sort of talk about... Interesting is definitely... Ellen has just showed me a picture of them. Interesting is definitely the word. It's good, isn't it? They better be really good, like, musically. Cause I just think they've got, like, an interesting concept. And um, I'm just kind of intrigued. They by look them. like Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Well, do you know what I mean? They did that. Do they sound like Frankie Goes? To <laughs> no, I think they're... I've got. I think we spent a lot of time talking about this band. <laughs> yeah, and what's on this announcement? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mastodon on the main stage. Oh no, sorry, Mastodon on the second stage. Yeah, there's a lot of. I'm reliably informed mm. that I made it in Kill Switch and not clashing on the Saturday. So that means. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where these gaps are because Mastodon, presumably Mastodon and Gajira won't clash. That would be a nightmare if they for clash, a lot of fans. I'll cry so many tears. So many tears that it would create well, a sea for the whales. I tell you what, here's <laughs> the thing to not make you cry, Anna. Go and watch Gajira because every time Mastodon have ever played outdoors, they've been fucking rubbish. Or well, the sound gets lost outside. Yeah, so often. I wouldn't even pretend. Like, like I love Mastodon and indoors they're amazing and on record they're amazing. Outdoors, they, A all the intricacies get lost and B, they don't want to be at a festival. You can tell they don't Sometimes like there's at a also festival. drinking that disrupts things. Yeah, so I'd say go and see Gajira. Well, you're, I mean, we probably, do, we probably, it's a, I imagine it's an imaginary clash, mm. but we'll see. Um, Gij, I mean, I'm saying this when, it, in my opinion, the greatest band to ever live is headlining that day, but potential to, for Gajira to steal the weekend, I think, on yeah. that, on that, that slot. That would be 6 p.m. ish or so. I didn't Sun know you liked Bush that, that much. <laughs> <laughs> are they playing? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, Where are they? Sure. They're on the third stage. Oh, the second stage. Oh I really love Bush. Like, I like seriously. the first two Bush records. Yeah, there's 16 Stone. There's, there's That's like, a good record. You know, I would watch, but like, I mean, this is how bang average download lineup is. Hey. Bush are like the third most I completely exciting. disagree. Really? I think the I, download lineup is I didn't is know they were on great. it, so now I'm really excited. I like Kiss. I like Deftones. I like, I love Maiden. Yeah, I love Gajira. Okay, I love okay. Killswitch. I love Mastodon. Uh, I don't care for Funeral for a Friend, but that's a good booking. I mean, look I at love that first Employed day. to Serve. I like Loathe. I like Puppy. I like. I mean, look, fucking hell, that dog Tuesday. Sepultura, Obituary, Dying Fetus, uh, Bleed From Within, Lotus Eater. Loads mm. of good shit. See, like, and then look on Sunday. Never... There's Corn, Baby Metal, oh, Power Wolf. When are you ever going to get a chance to see Corn at download? Disturbed. <laughs> Disturbed. I mean, someone, you... someone said to me, like, oh, well, what if System of a Down and Disturbed clash? It's like, well, one, I mean, you want to go home either way, surely. No. But two, I mean, if Disturbed clash with an old man pulling his pubic hair out, I'd go and watch that over the stage. Well, I wouldn't. <laughs> Awful. And System of a Down should be ashamed of themselves and should go away. That must Get mean you, that must mean you really, Sunday. really like watching men pull out their pubic hair. No, well, I'm more than disturbed. I do, yeah. Eleanor actually spent a, 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 a worrying amount of time in our production <laughs> meeting this week singing through the chorus of every song on The Sickness. Yeah, because you said that you couldn't remember any of the other songs. And I still can't, but... <laughs> So I had to make sure. And I'm and, I, and I'm all right with the stud. The stud, they're cool with me. I think they got some good songs. What a horrible person. Did some great covers. I'm not horrible, Steve. Yeah. I bring joy to people's lives. That doesn't sound like much joy to me. You'd be well. You you're, you're not going to get much thrift. It's uh, like enough to start in this room. Pubic what? hair plucking. I'm more than disturbed. I do, yeah. But and I think that first stage, just, there's some weird, there's some weird things in there. Like Kiss, Death, like Deftones before Kiss. Deftones always play that slot. Download never likes them. 
and then but they, and what do you mean download never likes them? The they never go down the weird, reaction is weird for Deftones it is weird I've seen that as I mean, well it's just a bit lukewarm and like I you know I am not massively I love Gallows I'm not massive on Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes as he's gone on but Frank Carter Deftones Kiss that's a weird old three isn't it I think it's weird they've got the classic rock day on Friday instead of Sunday. Did they do that last year as well? They've done yeah. it before, yeah. yeah. Tall, tall yeah. headline last even year. Even a classic yeah. rock day. I mean, Frank Carter's not classic rock. Deftones not classic rock. No, I but mean, I'm, I'm just saying Kiss, on. basically. Just yeah. that's the classic You've got a nice rock. kind of 90s, early 2000s punk double header with the offspring and the distillers there. That's quite cool. Yeah. That's that definitely what I would go and watch. You go see the Menzingers and then go to see distillers and offspring. That would be quite a good little run if you're into that kind of thing. Mm. Um, Electric Wizard down the headline in the set. I mean, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's one of those lineups where I think, yeah, there's a lot of bands on there that have done the rounds a lot, which is, you know, very reflective of where a lot of the bigger bands in metal are at the moment. I would just um, like, but I also think it's one of those, you know, fucking hell, that's Saturday, mate. Yeah, but what about that Saturday? Three doors down in the Raven Age. I mean, come no, on, seeing, the pre reckless. Two of my probably fav- five favorite metal bands ever. Plus, Gajira, who are arguably the most exciting modern metal bands there is. Gajira, the only thing that I find actually sort of new and exciting about that. Steve. I think there's a lot of bands. That, that's a pitch for a, for a potential future headline slot, isn't it, really? I mean, they're still yeah. a ways, they're a ways off that, obviously, really. I mean, but as that, someone who's that's, gone that's to like download an for over a right decade, there. this is like fundamentally there are bands lower down those bills on stages that don't always have the best sound that I think should be playing like higher up i mean Steve when you look though, at look, stuff though. like wayward sons and these bands that and then got is, and tough. employed to serve who are not on the main stage i you know like what what does it's just what does that say about the it's a shame i just think it's a shame and when you know we're so about you're to not going to be there for the power wolf Alstorm, baby metal. No, definitely not. On Sunday. And um, and then, you know, we're about to talk, you're about to mention the Art Tangent, which is sort of genuinely like, oh my God, who saw that coming? I know it's a completely different festival, but Alterbridge, always second from the top. Corn always second from the top. Deftones, always second from the top. Volbeat, usually in that place. System of a Down, Maiden, Kiss. Usually, it, you know, Offspring last time they played, headline in the second stage. I just think a little bit of manoeuvring of acts would freshen download up a little bit as someone who's been going for a long time i see what you mean i've been going to download since the very first one Mm. so like it feels crazy now that it's such a long-running thing but i also think that means it is something that we have to like keep going and treasure and they've obviously booked some of these bands because people going every year want to see these bands and i also think if you had like a lineup sheet with all the times and all the bands on because there's four stages, you'd find stuff that you want to watch. Of course you would. Yeah, like, during the day. Because you can't watch everything at the same no, no, time. No, 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 of course. Like, I'm, it's not a, a reflection on, you know, is there something happening on the fourth stage? It's just that, you know, if you go back to the first ever download, Funeral for a Friend didn't even have an album out on there playing the main stage. And look where Funeral for a Friend went to. They got to, you know, main support to... Guns N' Roses, I think it was, like five or six years Which later. Which was an awful booking, to be fair. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was that I was very Maybe. close to them at that gig, and it was not great. <laughs> okay, but that's their fault, and they dropped down. But, but you know, you at least need to let those bands get that chance, sure. get where they are to get that sure. chance. If you're you, kind could, of... you could say that in years gone prior, there mm-hmm. were, you could you could almost look at a, a, a download lineup in years gone prior, and it would feel, quote unquote, newer than having Corn and Deftones. But is that like just that. because... Yeah. 
the people going are the people that have grown up with those bands, therefore yeah, it's an totally. old lineup. Totally. Yeah, of or course. is it because you of think course, there's some sort of loss of ethos of booking young, listen, more exciting I, bands? I don't know. I'm, no, I'm just asking the question. I'm not yeah. actually disagreeing with you, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, it's six of one and half a dozen of the other, I think. I think if you were to put a bill... I mean, if you get System of a Down, Disturbed and Corn on the main stage and then fill it with... Uh, if you end up... If you put someone like Loathe on the main stage opening the festival up then to me they're not massively hugely far removed from the type of bands that are headlining i've not got any problem other than the, the system of down <laughs> could at least pretend like they want to be there um from the last couple of times they played i don't have a problem with system of a down headlining because they are that big yeah. i just think if it was a system of a down and a bunch of younger bands who have kind of taken what system <coughs> of a down do and have run with it that would be that would make a lot more sense to me than filling it with, you know. I, again, like I love that is murder, and it, I'm glad to see them on the main stage. But shouldn't that have happened five years ago? Do you know what I mean? Well, it's like when Alien Weaponry opened a stage and stuff like that. There's yeah, some, like there's some really Behemoth and yeah, Alien there's Weaponry, some really kind of exciting moments. Mm. So I guess when you I mean, look at it, you're thinking what, what are going to be the most exciting moments this year? I mean, those moments are going to ever flow as well. You can't yeah. always fit. Uh, bands onto those kind of slots where you'd like them mm. to play. But I would have no problem with... there's going to be some surprises with, on the weekend. I would have sure. no problem with, say, like you mentioned Powerwolf. Powerwolf opening for Maiden, great. Like, do you know what I mean? Stick them on the Maiden day, that feels that feels right to me. It's just some of the... Yeah, it's yeah kinda that's kinked. true. Although, it's kinda kinked, you know, right? they might not have been able to do that set. I don't really know. Yeah, I know. It I is know. definitely an interesting uh, stitch together main stage. Um, Alter Bridge into Maiden, I think, does... Makes sense. I'm not a gigantic Alter Bridge fan at all, but you know, as much as I love Maiden, and I think you know they do have a lot of younger fans as well. There are going to be a lot of quote unquote weekend warriors there to see that band, and I think Alter Bridge are the kind of like safe booking that a lot of those bands will go. Oh, this mm. is nice. This is like a big rock show. But hopefully, all those fans will be there when Gajira come on and blow the fucking tits off the place and they'll leave the kind of impression that could be the kind of download moment maybe we've been waiting for for a few years where a younger band or a modern band let's say turns up and just is the thing everyone leaves talking about mm. feels like it's been i mean yeah power trip were really good last year but they're not quite at that level yet for me gajira are the bands that can turn up and say this is our time now out yeah. of everybody on that lineup and I'm really excited about Corn as well, just because they're still current. Like we obviously talked about heritage bands, but and you know, System of a Down haven't released music for years, but Corn is still putting stuff out and being good. So I think that will feel fresh and exciting. Yeah, yeah I yeah, would yeah, be very surprised if Corn don't blow System of a Down off, yeah. clean off that stage. I agree to be with you. I'd, I'd be <laughs> after the last couple of System of a Down, I'd be surprised if oh. fucking Elstorm didn't blow them off stage. Hurts I hate me. It hurts me to say they to should it. give up System of a Down. I love System so much. Yeah, that's I why don't I want, want to go I away because they used to be one of the best bands ever. And now oh. <laughs> Sorry. Let's but anyway, it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, there's loads of great that shit time on the download. You said you never go again, and you've been yeah. like two more years now. So. I know. Well, I, I wanted one year of sunshine and tall, and I've got it. So you yeah, guys have a nice weekend. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we will if you're not coming. Oh, I am thanks. very. 
I'm very excited. Uh, and I think that Saturday has the potential to be an all-time great download. I genuinely do. Maiden, Gajira, Killswitch, Mastodon. And that's not even to get started on all the cool stuff on the, the smaller stages. There's a lot of good shit there. Uh, tickets are on sale. Uh, Downloadfestival.co.uk. So get over to them now and come hang out. It's going to be fun. Uh, lots of festival announcements going on this week. Arctangent have added, amongst others, Swans, Mets, The Locusts. Oh. Maybe she will. Oathbreaker are apparently back. Oh. They're a thing again. This is line. See this. Uh, Leprous, Carbomb, A.A. Williams, Joe Quayle. Yeah, lot, lots of interesting She's stuff going great. on there. Swans, uh, like Swans and the and the Locust and Oathbreaker is an insane. That that is an unbelievably brilliant. That's exciting. I'm and in a WhatsApp group about how I can go to part of Arc Tangent and then go to Knotfest and whether it's logistically possible. That's not possible. going to be possible. I want to do Absolutely it. Absolutely no I way. I want to do it. Absolutely no way. I want to go to both. You will leave yeah. one early and ruin the other for yourself but not get in there on time. Don't I'm just it. seeing if it's logistically possible. Um, and Slam Dunk, a couple of interesting uh, additions as well. While she sleeps in Code Orange. Yeah. And we talked about earlier. Refused, well. yeah. I mean, they do have... Um, all the punk bands on there sometimes yeah. but I find Code Orange a fascinating booking because yeah. uh, obviously I, I presume their attitude is to play everywhere and just smash it wherever they go but um, mm. interested to see if that means they are definitely out for either not fest or downloads or if because it's in May maybe they can still do one of the other big festivals because you know it's an interesting one for them I think definitely yeah very interesting um it, it a lot. I think a lot with Slam Dunk will depend on again the sound issues in the the tent for the for the bands like Not Loose and Turnstile and Gallows and the Bronx last year was not great. Um, the sort of logistics of of Slam Dunk is 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 difficult. Yeah. I've not out, been to the new site actually. About four o'clock. It was year. the first year, wasn't it, with the new really? site last year? Second year. Second the entire year. site ran out of beer? Pretty much, yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, I find okay. it logistically difficult because I feel like a granddad. <laughs> I go. I got Don Broco. That's not well. the Don Broco headlining. I bloody love Don Broco. Duran Duran riffs, isn't it? Quality. But yeah, it's a, it's a really nice little lineup they built this year. So uh, that's interesting to see yeah, um, how that will be right. reflected and who goes and yeah. What else happens there? Uh, My Chemical Romance. So basically, you got a residency in Milton Keynes now. I mean, whatever you think of My Chemical Romance, <laughs> that is unbelievably impressive. Crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, it is. It it is. is. How many yeah. bands could could yeah. do? How many bands in our world specifically could do a stadium? Even one of the you know not a slightly smaller stadium, three fucking nights in a week. That's. Well, I didn't ridiculous. make a face of disagreement. Oh. You just made a face of disgust because we dared to bring up my chemical romance. No, again. it's just indifference. I do think it's good. I really enjoyed watching everyone get really excited about it, and it made me sad that I couldn't join in. But that's I fine. Don't have an excitement. You've got not fest or arc tangent to get excited about instead. But yeah, so my chemical romance absolutely <laughs> massive, and Tool won the metal Grammy. Yeah, and that's no one cool. seems to be happy about it. <laughs> I am either they're not a metal band or it should have gone to someone else. Or I don't know. Oh yeah, I prefer. I'm talking about surely. the internet. I'm yeah. talking about the internet whining here. By the way, yeah, it's not, a great song. Sure. Tempest won it, didn't it? Yeah, it should, great, of course brilliant. It one. I mean, it was up against an all right Killswitch Engage song. I prevail. A fucking great Killswitch Engage. I prevail. Song, excuse me. Who? Someone went, oh, I can't believe I Prevail didn't win on Twitter. And I had to, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. <laughs> but they're much bigger in the States, right? Than yeah. I say, if you made a list of the 5,000 best metal bands ever, I Prevail would still be 2,000 places away from getting in <laughs> on it. So shut up. But yeah, they're awful. Um, I thought the Candlemas song with Tony Iommi was, was pretty good. And I can't remember who the other two people. Yeah. And that, it feels a bit tokenistic, doesn't it? Yeah. But. 
and they know. didn't well mention, done they didn't mention Gay a tall. lot of people in their multi multi grammy winners uh should we do the album of the week yeah um i mean i've made notes about this album and i've basically kind of ended up just writing horrible down over and over again uh this is leached with to dull the blades of your abuse out this friday via prosthetic uh they're a young band from manchester we did them in the magazine um on the last album with a new band piece and uh this is their second full length i think they put out now um but yeah this is just a disgustingly angry um horrible uh, nihilistic noisy records um I, I kind of a lot of it kind of the first thing that came to mind when i listened to it was uh, if you kind of take the more nihilistic and low end bits of code orange and just cover them in mud and then fling them at a disused toilet wall that's what this sounds like Gross. To me. we we are living in a Thanks. in a in a post forever world yeah totally i think totally and, and the opening bits of this album is the first thing that comes to mind that kind of low end like yeah half spoken wordy yeah blah, that blah, kind blah, of blah, like blah, blah, distorted spoken word yeah, thing yeah. that comes in um i uh i'm glad you put this band up actually man because i i mean we for people listening i i do like you mentioned started another podcast our second podcast we ever did on right act we picked 20 bands new bands that we thought had lots of promise and leached were one of the bands that we picked um and i'm glad to say that they've come back and released a second album which has shown that that promise is justified really mm. because i think this is not just a good record i think it's a huge step up from their first record i really really like the first one's called you took the sun when you left i mean good good metal titles in it both oh, yeah. of them Absolutely. um and i thought it was a really good kind of mixture of uh trap them iron monkey and like napalm death and it just was willfully like you say, disgustingly nasty, aggressive. They seem to be a band who are almost sadistic in their delight of yeah. how much they can punish your eardrums. And I've got to kind of fess up. I'm a bit of a mark for that stuff. Like, if you sound like that, yeah. I'm probably going to like it. It ticks the box. I mean, really, like, I just anything that sounds like that, I just really like. You probably, so with this record, I'm obviously, I obviously love it. Like, you probably get more. More likely to get Ronald McDonald to slag off a Big Mac than you would to get me to slag <laughs> off <laughs> to slag off a band that sound like this. So yeah, I uh, like you should probably take my opinion of this as a pinch of salt, really, because well, I just love all. But of But chan- chances are, when you're listening to the the um, descriptions we're using, you've probably got a good idea if you're going to like this mm. or not. If you know, if you know, if you only listen to pop punk, don't listen to this album, yeah. basically, or do and stop listening to pop punk. Yeah, um, that's better advice. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just, yeah, it's just full of like feedback and noise. It's kind of industrial meets hardcore, um, full of these like mechanical lurching riffs. Uh, just, oh, it's just brilliant. Like loads of really gnarly breakdowns. Um, when it starts to feel, what I like about it as well is that when it starts to feel a little bit one paced, they mix it up a little bit. So uh, the song Now It Ends is more of like a doom track. It slows it right down and makes it more crushing and gnarly. And they've got a really good. I nearly said horrible again. <laughs> yeah. They've got a really good grasp of dynamics. I think for these sort of bands, like I don't mind being sort of pummeled, I don't mind being punched in the face repeatedly. But if you, have I got a. Oh, well, I thought you were taking an. I thought you were doing that. 
pick an eyelash off. It was that a punch. Eleanor was going to punch me then. Um, I <laughs> thought I'd, it was a considerate, like, yeah, I thought nice she was gesture. Like, oh, you've got a little thing. She's going to punch you in the face. In the face. Yeah. Just because I don't like disturbed. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't mind being sort of battered and punched in the face over and over again. But if you get punched in the face, then the rib, then the gut, then needing the bollocks, it's kind of more interesting, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, kind of. Mix it up a bit. Yeah. So I think. They they find they kind of do one thing, but they find different ways to do it. Definitely, yeah. That I mean the song Earth and Ash. That's almost got like a bit of a black metal vibe to yeah. it. Kind of a bit faster, pickling, pickling, they, picking. <laughs> there's a song called I Flatline, and that has even got a little bit of sort of Marilyn Manson industrial yeah. to it. I mean, and it's catchy. I think if you can make something really, I mean, when I say catchy, again, it's not pop punk. It's not going to be newfound glory. But if you can find a hook within like a kind of sparkly diamond in amongst the mud. Like that's a real tough skill to be able to pull yeah. that off, to actually make something that extreme stick in your head for like half an hour after you've heard it. And I think they do that. I'm, I'm well impressed with how much they've come on. As someone who, who really liked their first record, I think this is a massive step up. Like yeah. sonically it is in terms of songwriting, in terms of the ambition of the band. I think it's a, I think it's a, a real, real big step up. Yeah. I mean, they're making, again, it, it's hard not to see it in the shadow of forever a little bit because it's yeah. just, that's like you said, we live in a post forever world now, but to compare the, the kind of where Code Orange got to before forever and the leap up from that, um, Leech feel like a band that could be on the verge of something genuinely special mm. and you can tell they're finding their feet and they're spreading their wings a little bit they've, they've um, played a blinder by getting out before the new Code Orange album as well well I was going to say basically if you want something to, to, to not just tide you over but genuinely fill that gap before yeah. we're all just endlessly spunking about the new Code Orange album when it comes out in a couple of months um, you could definitely do worse than picking this album up um, one thing I liked as well is that I, I like that how low the vocals are in the mix because it really adds to that like suffocating kind of mm. feel of it like you're drowning in a cementy kind of horrible I said it again horrible horrible uh, bloody horrible uh, noise um, bloody horrible. it's not an album that I'm going to put on every morning to get me in the mood to like kick ass and start the day but yeah it's it's a really good record um, so yeah that is Leech to dull the, the blades of your abuse uh, that is out Friday uh, also out this week, amongst other things, new Love Bites album. So if you like your power metal, you could do worse than check out that. Uh, album's called Electric Pentagram. Um, and if you're into your kind of death gospel vibe, uh, Shime Lorraine, I may have said that wrong, uh, has an album out called Sculpture that's really good as well. So you should check that out. If you too. like kind of, can I shout an album out that's really good? Yeah, do it. There's a band called from Belgium called The Guru Guru who've got an album called Point Fingers out today. And if you're a fan of kind of artsy post-punk, post-indie, um, kind of, if you can imagine, like, Death and Brother 1979, Cross Without a Driving, Cross with the Blood Brothers, um, then that is out, and it's fucking brilliant. So Excellent. listen to that as well, if you like that sort of thing. And if you don't, then... Fuck you. <laughs> then just go, ooh, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's take some reader questions, shall we? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Metal Hammer. I don't know why I would say forward slash. Facebook.com slash Metal Hammer Readers. The forward slash, does it matter which way you slash now? I don't know. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Metal Hammer Readers on Facebook. Do that. I'm trying not to sound like the old man everywhere. that I am. Well, um, or just ask us on Twitter as well. You're in that band from Eurovision, you can. <laughs> God. 
Rob Lake Don't you cast asks, aspersions on what they do in their oi, spare time. Listen to Rob Lake's question. Yes, Rob. Sorry, mate. He says, happy century. Thanks, Rob. And have you seen a pub band that you've wanted to promote in the glorious pages of Metal Hammer? And then he says, here's to the next hundred. Thanks, Rob. Aw. Thanks, Rob. Or the previous 218 <laughs> or whatever it was. It's quite a lot we used to do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Anyway, answer We're here to get week. nostalgic. Uh, no. We're um, <laughs> the fucking download lineup. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, get over it. Uh, Have I, you ever seen a pub band that you, that you think pub this band. is amazing? Um, define pub band. Uh, a a band, band that plays in a pub? Yeah. Yeah, but how... <laughs> so, like, not a music venue, specifically. A pub that has an area that you can buy I've really in. thought about this and I got nothing. I got nothing. I've I, got nothing. I, I, I've got to be honest, I fucking hate music at pubs. It does my head in. Yeah. Nothing. You, oh my God, If you God, want me to instantly think, right, I'm staying here for one point and then I'm fucking off. If that, it's walking into a pub where some guy in the corner with a guitar is playing Wonderwall or something like, yeah. no, no, I'm not a no. huge fan. I'm not being ungrateful. I appreciate you know, not everyone can get to gigs in London and all the rest of it. But if I'm in a pub with my mates, I don't want to not be able to talk to them because someone's playing Brown Eyed Girl. Do you I know what I mean? It annoys me, just not live music, but like really loud music in pubs as well. It's like, if you go to a bar, then you've gone to a bar and that's kind of how it is. Mm. If you go to a pub and yeah, it makes me sound old. Like you, you said, I kind of wanted to sit down and have a chat with someone. That's why you mainly go to Weatherspoons. <laughs> Mate, do that's I, not why I have to go to Weatherspoons. Do I, do I mainly me. go to Weatherspoons? Well, I mean, it would make sense if that's your Because there's no music there. there's no music. No, I mean... Other and probably <laughs> less problematic <laughs> pub chains are available. I don't know. I mean, because I've got tinnitus, it's like one of those things, if the music, if you're in somewhere and the music gets too loud, I'm going to have to put my earplugs in and then mm. I'm going to have to scream in people's faces and put my ear next to their face to hear them. So it's just not good for me. Mm. So that's why I'm not a huge Rather fan of it. Rather go for Curry Club on a Thursday, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm going to somewhere specific to the band obviously that's fine but I usually go to a music venue I can't think of anything in recent years where I've gone to a pub to see a band but maybe that is us being like London wankers because there's yeah. a lot of music venues in London that people can have music at whereas if you haven't got music venues then pubs are well, more and also the pubs I'm from and maybe you guys are from specifically like the pubs where I was growing up lovely pubs but you didn't see like cutting edge exciting bands playing no, them no, 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 ever no. I'm trying no, one, no one's like, like Slipknot you know, never turned up to the plough in Potten End. There's like, you know, in Manchester, there's a Star and Garter. That's like a pub with a room upstairs. Yeah, and that sure. room is a music venue. Mm. So that's a bit different, isn't it? It's, but you know. I, I did see um, the sole legend, Edwin Starr, at, in my village in Overton, Hampshire, which is a very small village. He played the, the local working men's club twice. Actual Edwin Starr. In fact, one night he had just done Wembley Arena the night before with the Four Tops and the Temptations, and then he played in cool. Overton. And um, he didn't want to be a Metal Hammer though. So and we did ask. <laughs> yeah, we did ask. <laughs> Sit him down for a masterclass with Nurgle. <laughs> masterclass. Remember that? Fucking yeah. Good yeah. No, they weren't. They were a pain in the ass to put together. No. Right. I don't know. I feel bad. I don't have an answer for this. The closest it was a very I've... good question, Rob. Well, look, the closest thing I've it. got to it, I do have a sort of answer. It's not really a pub, but I saw a band. Um, I went to see Stevie Wonder at Hyde Park, and before and there was a band playing on a little what are those like a bandstand outside before. Yeah, yeah. And bandstand. they were called. Z I've never heard of them before or since, and they were called Zun Zun Eggwee. I think that's how you pronounce it. Rolls off the tongue. And they were, and considering they're supporting Stevie Wonder, they were like a sort of math rock like post-hardcore band. And I was like, what are they doing? Like playing outside the Stevie Wonder gig. And they're really good. Mm. 
and that's the closest I've got. It wasn't in a pub, but it was kind of in a public forum where you wouldn't usually expect to see music. Mm -hmm. And that's as, as close as that's I've got. Cool. Should we do the next question? Yeah. And by we, I mean someone else. Read it. Joe Fleischer says, congratulations. As festival season heats up, Thanks. have you ever had a wish? Oh, have you ever had a wish I could turn back time moment? Like when I fell in love with Dinosaur Pileup's record this year. Oh, it's a great record. Then discovered a month ago, they played a festival I was at three years ago. By the time I well, That's by a lot of time we've just been thrown in there. <laughs> just yeah. confused about what's going on now. Do you want me to repeat that for you, Merlin? So she... So she, Joe, got in the, she fell in love with Dinosaur Pileup and their record this year. Yeah. But she, but and then month, recently found out that they played um, a festival yeah. years ago and wishes what? she could have been there to see that. Oh yeah, I totally yeah. get that. That is a good question. Yeah. So, and then she says... All the time, I walked by a stage Frank Carter was playing on because my friends wanted to see some silly band. So she should have stopped and watched I've Frank Carter, one. but her friends wanted to move Can on. Can I just say, Joe, for the record, if it was three years ago, that Dinosaur Pileup's last album is, is definitely their best record. So they wouldn't have been playing any of those songs that you like anyway. So if that makes you feel any better about there it. There you go. What's that well, one that, about white t-shirt and jeans? Is that them? No, I don't think so. Oh. No. But they're great, Dinosaur Pileup, by the way. New record's wicked. Not very metal, but... That's all right. We can bloody out. good. Uh, um, I've got one big regret, um, because... Uh, so th this is before... Uh, you know, a good few years before I was working in the metal industry, so I didn't have any kind of insight into anything. Um, when Guns N' Roses headlined... Um, headlined uh, downloads in 2006, there were rumours going around that Slash was back in the band and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and again, this is kind of before you were super connected to everything. So, you, could, you know, it was more difficult to just check if he played with them at the previous festival the day before or whatever. Um, so I missed the Prodigy in the Tent, which is, I feel sick even saying it because it's one of my all-time favourite bands ever. And I've seen them at a million venues, big and small, since then and before that. But um, uh, That's a pretty that was, gig, yeah, right? one of, a shout for the greatest uh, kind of under tent gig that downloads ever had um and guns and roses i really really enjoy guns and roses and i remember saying afterwards if i could take that axle that i saw today and put him with the original guns and roses lineup i would take that so it's not like i had a shit time and i was sitting there thinking this is rubbish but in hindsight it's like fuck especially since now i have actually seen guns and roses yeah so well, that's just a waste of that's just pointless then mm. <laughs> i was a bit sad i missed the who this year I tried to get in to see them, but it was full and I just couldn't really get this anywhere near it. This is the HU, it. by the way. Oh, right. Yeah. I was going to say, because the, the HU. Who, Roger Daltrey, but that was awful at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, I've heard really, mixed, mixed really, things really. about that. But mixed. no, I'm talking about the Mongolian folk <laughs> metalers. <laughs> I was being polite, Steve. <laughs> Some people say she's only she's only, she's only talked to you and Roger Daltrey. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's trying to be nice. Right, okay. Yeah, I tried to see the Mongolian folk metalers, the Who. At download, and obviously mm. everyone else wanted to, and I knew it'd be busy, but I just couldn't get anywhere near it, so it was a bit of a bummer. Um, can I? Okay, so going back to 1996, my first ever band I ever saw at a festival, I went to Red in '96, and the main stage opened. And I thought, well, I'll just watch the band on the main stage, and it was a band called Seaweed from Seattle, who were all right, were I fine. Remember them? Yeah, they're all right. They're sort of like Mud Honey style grunge stuff. They're fine, but. There was two other stages and the two bands opened the other two stages. You're like this one, I think, Eleanor. Um, the third stage was Feeder, who Metal Hammer's album of 1997, deservedly yeah, so. Recently, and, recently uh, dug uh, that like, Feeder back then, quite good. I quite like Feeder. Um, 
And on the second stage, it was placebo. I oh, I love placebo. And I didn't, and I missed both love those bands placebo. to watch random seaweed. But I would That's have to fun. say, can I count having to review something and missing something? Yeah. At I mean, you okay. kind of don't have the choice. In that yeah, I mean, thing, I couldn't really do anything about it. But in terms of like massive FOMO, download 2014, sick for playing their comeback show. And Mr. Jonathan Seltzer made me review... Linkin Park doing Hybrid Theory in full. I mean, That's I know which one, one of those gigs I'd be on. Absolute with, universe. Yes. Much, I know. much love to Mikey it. Goodman. Everybody loves. You witnessed what is, in my opinion, yeah, the best thirty-five minutes I've ever seen I know. at I a festival. That's the best thing I've ever seen at a festival. It was amazing. It is one of my least favorite moments of my whole life, to be honest. <laughs> I, and then, to be honest, I still gave Linkin Park a seven because I was like, yeah, okay, like everyone's having a nice time, great. Yeah. But I just, I. Really, really can't even. I cannot even. Horrible time. Can't even. That's really, but like just everyone losing their shit, and I was like, "I'm you lot. You're mental. You're mental. Uh, You're mental. You're mental." (laughs) 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 Regret everywhere. Uh, Ben Wilmer says, "Steve, this is for you specifically. Oh, that's nice. What feature have you done for Metal Hammer that you're most proud of?" And then he says, "I'm guessing it wasn't Lacuna Coil." (laughs) Well, he's, he's right to guess that. Cause it, you well, you've got to guess Lacuna, Lacuna Coil for us. It was nice. Yeah, do you know what? Like, Christina from Lacuna Coil is, uh, is is great. A really good interview. A really nice person. And it was yeah. in the middle of a, uh, a quite a personal and very interesting album cycle for them. Um, but it's not really the sort of thing that I would usually listen to. Having said that, I li- I really like her and I like talking to her. So, yeah, it wasn't. It's not the thing that I'm most proud of, but I'm still quite pleased with how it came out. So fine. Um, but probably I would say, I mean, you kn- there's a few things. I think the first time you see your name in, I first bought Metal Hammer in 1996 was the first issue that I bought. And to go to what would it have been 2012 when I first saw my name in it is pretty cool. Um, and so that was, that's, just that was just a review of the bronx i think and feed the rhino next to each other and like just seeing that i was like wow look there's my actual name which is super exciting um i think the first time you did a cover feature like doing the slipknot cover last year was pretty massive Mm -hmm. it was a massive massive thing um but in terms of something that i look at and i go that's my favorite thing i think it has to be i did there's been a couple like doing Deftones around the fur retrospective thing was great. I mean, I Deftones one of my favorite bands ever. That's my favorite Deftones album. Jane Doe retrospective by the Converge which was fucking great. I came up with an idea for the Marilyn Manson and Hole tour mm-hmm. thing, that which, was, I, was great, which yeah. I really loved as well. But my absolute favorite, and <laughs> probably not Ellen's favorite, because I sent it in, it was about 18,000 words. But um, I did a feature on the Boston hardcore scene. That's my favorite <laughs> thing you've done for us. Yeah. yeah. It Which, was really good. It was, uh, yeah. Because I didn't know <laughs> shit about it. Basically. You were like, here's 15 chapters <laughs> on the hardcore scene. I was and, like, um, you. you. know, like I spoke to Jake Bannon from Converge. I spoke to Aaron Turner, who um, started Hydrahead Records and was in ISIS and... Um, the band, obviously, and um, I spoke to Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Baker. That yeah, yeah, Kevin Baker, um, who was in the Hope Conspiracy. I spoke to Stephen Brodsky from Cave In, and it was just like none of those bands have become multi-platinum, massive, huge, big, big bands. But for me, it was like when I was sort of um, 
I got into grunge and then I got into sort of new metal and then I really, really got into hardcore and that whole period of, of hardcore bands in Boston in the kind of late nineties into the early part of the millennium are just are like, they feel like because they never got big, they still kind of feel like my bands. Do you know what I mean? They still feel like something which I have ownership of. So to be able to kind of tell a story, which I don't really think many people, many magazines have, have really gone into um and to get the people who were so hugely instrumental in turning that music into you know kind of making that music and making that scene special was that's that's definitely my favorite one i think definitely i really enjoyed that because they were all bands i got into in the early 2000s mm. but when i got into them i hadn't realized the connections between them like i knew about sort of about roughly that they were connected but i didn't really know how or why or anything so it was really nice to read something that was really in depth and kind of went into that scene and how it grew it was also you know like in the new metal era you would pick up magazines and you would read about what these bands were doing you go wow i'd like to be able to see that but it felt like you kind of knew what was going on with corn and family values or you know what was happening in limp biscuits world and you kind of or you know if you were a fan of green day or offspring or whatever was big you know you kind of felt like you knew what was going on whereas you had to really dig around to kind of know what was happening in a boston underground scene mm. at that time and when it was happening you know finding a record on hydrahead going into like a record an independent record shop in southampton or you know when i was growing up or whatever to, just to kind of dig through them and look for like an old converge album was and finding it and being like oh my god oh my god i found forever comes crashing by converge and i've, I've got it i've finally got it and then going back home and kind of pouring through it and thinking my god i wonder what it's like to go to boston and see this band playing in front of like you know 100 200 people it was um it was just like when I was growing up that it felt like the most exciting thing in the world. And I, I could never get anywhere near it. I could get some of the records, but I could never truly kind of feel like I knew exactly what was going on with it because it was so underground. There'd be like fanzines and stuff that would review it and stuff, but you didn't ever really know what the actual story was. So kind of getting to, I, I learned stuff from that, which I, I didn't know that I've been sort of wondering about since I was, you know, a teenager. So yeah. That yeah, was, I thought that was great. I thought that was really cool. Exactly what you said, really, about knowing what the story behind it was, because there mm. were definitely like, I can't really remember a huge amount about what was in Metal Hammer, but there were definitely other kind of places that had written about it. But like you said, it was more like reviews and the yeah. sort of a knowledge that there was this thing going on, but no one had really sat down and actually said, this is what it is. Yeah, it's a wicked time. Absolutely wicked time. I think so that would be the one. Swell. A fine choice. Um... <laughs> <laughs> what Andy Paul says my few my two favourite music biographies Enter Night and Symptom of the Universe I presume that's uh, Metallica and Black Sabbath books mm. um, are both by well known music journalists other biographies <laughs> are available he says cheers Andy uh, have you ever considered if you would write a book and would you rather do one on a band you love or a band you don't necessarily love but have a great story to tell who would you do a, a book on and why who would do a book on and why well my favourite book is Everybody Loves Our Town by Mark Yarn, which is about the Seattle music scene, which kind of oh, interviews cool. everybody in the Seattle music scene. And there's, I feel like there's a kind of, there's two, and there could be a kind of trilogy, because there's um, Our Band Could Be Your Life by Michael Azarad, which talks about the kind of, the, the punk scene in America in the early 80s and the sort of college rock underground scene. It's a really, really good book. It talks about like Husker Du and Black Flag and Fugazi and all that kind of stuff. And it's great. And then I feel like Mark Yarm's book is like a follow on to it. And then there's a book that I bought 
last year, which covers the kind of the revival of New York rock with like the Strokes and LCD Sound System and Interpol and stuff like that, which is a cool book as well. But there's a gap in the middle of it from sort of grunge dying and, you know, uh, punk rock and um, like kind of post grunge and I guess new metal and then the sort of hardcore we were talking about. And I don't feel like that gap has been filled in. I think people usually go, oh, there's grunge and then there was the Strokes or like new metal or whatever. But there's sort of diff other different types of music, which I don't think that I think fit into that story that hasn't been told. So I'd like to write that book if I was going to write any book. But if I was going to write a biography about a band, I mean, I don't know. But I don't think I'd want to really. Like there's to just pick one band it's not <laughs> no, fair it seems more interesting than just one yeah band no story, i see what right? you mean i see what you mean um, or you two. Oh god i just feel like and so many bands i'm interested in have just been done and done and done do you know what i mean Could but there's also a lot of old ones where like the books were done in like the 90s or early 2000s but now those bands have moved on True. like when was the last time someone did like a current slipknot one or some of the new metal bands i'm just thinking out loud really i haven't yeah, actually I mean, checked as to what's available something on new metal will be interesting um like yeah i guess there's still a few modern metal bands that haven't gone down that road so much yet um i think a big problem is that artists are so overexposed now that it's probably hard to bring people stuff that isn't out there and feels like you're really lifting the lid on an it's hard to personality. find an angle on the big stories, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, I mean, going off what Elle just said, you know, an updated Marilyn Manson biography, I think would be really interesting if yeah. you're able to get him to open up properly about, you know, everything from the D to years to what happened after that, the fallout of that, and, um, you know, how his health has been over the years and, uh, like, his performances on stage being erratic and music he wears but now you know there's quite a lot where he could get into on that so that would be quite interesting so i'd probably pick that and if he is looking to hire someone to write it i am <laughs> available so. i'd do a mike Patton book actually that would be cool yeah yeah i would read that thanks mate one final question and it's for steve again uh, yeah he's asking this you is my favorite question how's bonjour doing she's uh, that's uh, that's steve's much loved Wells, cats, by the way. i think zach knows that she's been a bit ill Bonjour. She She's had been a ill. Fucking nine hundred pound on vet bills was spent on Bonjour. Oh, that's a small price to pay for Bonjour's health. Uh, absolutely, you're quite right. It is, but it's still quite annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's been. She's she's had she had to have some uh, injections because she had a bad stomach. She stopped eating, and cats shouldn't eat. If cats don't eat for forty eight hours, they can get quite ill. So she didn't eat. I was really worried. Um, and I took her to the vet, and they've shaved around her neck. So it looks like she she looks a little bit like. Um, like she's wearing a ruff. She looks like sort of Queen Elizabeth the, the second, first. No, the second's right now, isn't it? The first. Yeah, she's like Queen Elizabeth the first. Um, but she's lovely. She's a lovely cat, and she's my best friend probably. Aww. She's the uh, the only thing that she's I've ever truly loved. Cute car. <laughs> really hope. I really hope your missus doesn't listen to this podcast. After that. Yeah. Well, not. She knows that she I. Knows. I love her she as knows. well. But she, you know, but if yeah. anyone, you got literally got a tattoo of Bonjour. In your I do arm, have like. a Bonjour tattoo, a tattoo, a tattoo. Some might say, mm. but most She's probably wouldn't. Cute. Yeah, so I would call it. A I like dogs as well, and I like house rabbits. And I, I don't like what you said about house rabbits. Yeah, it's mean. Wasn't fucking it? boring. Boring. You're yeah. boring. boring. Fucking boring. A house rabbit is more interesting than you. Yeah, definitely. What does a house rabbit do? 
He, I had a house rabbit and you, he used to eat breakfast with me. Oh, see, that's adorable. That is adorable. That's, and he'd kick his w- legs what's out. What's that mean? You just feed it while you're eating? Well, you put food down. You always have food down for a rabbit because they, they can eat whenever they want. Yeah. But then I'd sit down with my breakfast and he would come and sit next to me and he would be like, and eat his food. So adorable. Okay, so they eat. So eat. Yeah, but adorable. eat like as part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> he was part of the family. No. Oh. One day I'm going to have a couple of house rabbits and it's going to be such a great day when that happens. Mm. And they're very fluffy. They're really cute. Aren't they? Yeah, they're really oh, cute. Not having it. Right. Time to go into a brand new feature here on the Metal Hammer podcast uh, that we kind of um, sowed the seeds of a few months ago over in the reader group. Um, this is, we're going to start a Metal Hammer podcast Hall of Fame and we wanted to make sure that you guys are a part of it and part of how we uh, put bands into it. So we came up with a little system. Uh, so what's going to happen is every couple of weeks to every month or so, depending on what else we've got going on on the podcast, we are going to nominate a band to be inducted into the Metal Hammer podcast Hall of Fame. We're then going to poll all of you guys over on the Reader Group Facebook Uh of all that artist's albums, you're going to vote for your favourite one. And the two albums from that artist's discography with the most votes is going to be up for induction. And then we're going to talk about those two albums on the podcast. And we're going to, I guess we'll probably vote for it. Um, and we'll debate which one deserves to go in. And the one with the most vote or com- most votes or most convincing argument will get put in. So a few months ago, we put up a poll for Marilyn Manson because we thought, uh, well, actually, the original reason we wanted to do this is because we wanted to pick an artist that we felt everybody on the podcast could talk about. Um, And Alice isn't actually here today, but luckily Steve is, and he can certainly talk about Marilyn Manson, so it still all works out. Yeah. Uh, So we did a poll of all Manson's albums. Loads of you voted in it. Um, And I was a bit pissed off by the results, to be honest. So so, uh, the two uh, top uh, most voted for albums from Manson were Antichrist Superstar and Mechanical Animals. Um, I was a bit annoyed about this because I was really geared up to make a really compelling case for Hollywood. And now it doesn't matter. So there we go. How did you get into Marilyn Manson, Stephen L? (laughs) L, do you want to go first or shall I, since I probably got into him before well you yeah you definitely would have done so why don't you do that and then i can talk about the later years okay um so i my mate used to tape alternative nation off mtv for me right and i had seen pictures of this dude in the music press and i think the first thing i remember seeing actually was a review of the smells like children ep and they were saying like this guy's crazy, like it's weird and it's all over the place. It's this sort of psychedelic post Alice Cooper industrial like Satan worshiping thing, and I was like, in early nineteen ninety six, you know, in the the dregs of grunge, um, and when bands like Green Day or whatever were massive, you didn't you didn't see that being exposed in the press so much, and I was like, that's he looks kind of weird. And then my mate gave me this tape of Alternative Nation and most of it was stuff like the Stone Roses on this TV show. And then halfway through, they showed the video for The Beautiful People. And I remember being both exhilarated and terrified at the same Mm. time. Like genuinely quite weirded out by it. You know, um, that and the Firestar video. I think the Breathe video actually wasn't Firestar, it was Breathe. The Breathe, mm. I'd seen the Firestar video, but the Breathe Prodigy video was on there as well. And those two things together just were like these 
day glow nightmares in amongst like this two and a half hours of really bland Britpop. Mm. So I saw Mc- um, I saw Antichrist Superstar in the shops when I had a bit of money and I bought it solely on the strength of the Beautiful People video, basically. And I got it back. And do you ever do this thing where, I mean, I, I wonder if people would do this now because my first impression of Antichrist Superstar, I hated it. I, it's funny you say that because not to uh, deflect too much from your story, but um, I got into Malamanta, not in Hollywood. Uh, and um, the second album I got was Mechanical Animals, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and I absolutely loved that. And then the, the next album I got was actually Antichrist Superstar. And I really struggled with it. I really yeah. struggled with it for the first few listens. Yeah, I think because, I mean, around that time, God, what was I, would I have been listening to when I first bought Antichrist Superstar? Rage Against Machine. I, did, I just got into Corn. I just got into like Fear Factory and bands like that. Um, but really, kind of a couple of years previous to that, I was listening to Blur and you know the Foo Fighters and stuff like that so um it was a huge huge change and it wasn't it was metal but it wasn't really metal as Mm. the type of metal that I had started to get into it was it's a it's a you know obviously as people probably are aware have heard it it's a very unusual it's very odd um it's a very moody it's a it's a it's a mood piece isn't it antichrist superstar like it takes you on a on an actual journey yeah very Um, conceptually loaded yeah and uh it took me a little while but once it kind of clicked with me i just fucking loved i'd say it's one of my favorite records now i absolutely love it and seeing him at red in 97 opening for metallica was just as exhilarating as anything i'd seen at that point probably it. like up there with that slip mentioned that slip not a story show it was a similar thing watching marilyn manson watching marilyn manson come out just one bright white light shone at the crowd as the sun was going down on the sunday at reading just before metallica came on and watching him like one by one and take their kind of places there and then manson come out <clears throat> fucking brilliant so great I mean, I just wish I could have been there. So that's, that sounded like, uh, you know, we'll get into a bit more, but that sounded like quite a compelling argument for Antichrist Superstar. Yeah. I mean, like- I don't think anybody, whatever your preference may be, I don't think anyone would deny that it's his definitive, it's the definitive Marilyn Manson album because the, it's the album that truly put Manson on the world stage. So I got into Manson much later than you. I remember seeing on the evening news there are protests for the Guns, God and Government tour. And I grew up near Manchester and there was... I got the VHS of that tape. And they were playing at um, in Manchester and at the Manchester Evening Arena back then. And there were people, you know, like being interviewed about why they're boycotting Manson and what was going on and stuff. And I was starting... I was sort of into rock and metal, but like didn't really know a huge amount about what was going on. And I sort of knew that that was happening and was like really intrigued by it. And um, I think I said in another podcast when they released the single for Disposable Teens, my mum went to uh, Woolworths while I was at school and bought it for me because I was like really excited about it. I think that's the second it. time we've mentioned Woolworths on this podcast in about three thing. weeks. <laughs> trying to get some free pick and mix. It's the same <laughs> thing. Because if you are, i got bad news for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> Merlin had to explain what it was, a now defunct shop. But Woolworths wasn't the kind of place you'd necessarily think to find Marilyn Manson. They just had like a small music section. It's mostly pick and mix. Mm. But yeah, so I was sort of aware of this thing going on and sort of slowly got on board with what was happening. And I remember being in school one day and like um, it was before this 
at like our history class was about to start and I was like going on about Marilyn Manson and like how cool he was. <laughs> there was this guy sure. called uh, William Johnson. Shout out, Will. And Big up, Will. He had got into metal through his brother and I was like talking about it and he's like, and I was like, yeah. And his first name comes from America's most loved person and his second name comes from America's most hated person. I remember Will being like, you don't know anything about Marilyn Manson. What are you talking about? And I was just like trying to get into this music. Um, if he came out now, he'd be called like Donald Corden, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> or Kardashian? Yeah, maybe. That Kardashian's is... <laughs> better, definitely a better shout. I just sorry, I just thought. <laughs> I, I just. I was just trying to think of really me hating James Corden. Icon- iconic, iconic figureheads. The <laughs> <laughs> 21st century James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be the keyboard player, wouldn't he? <laughs> Mrs. Brown's boy Corden <laughs> on keyboards. Sure, sure. That is a fun game, though, trying to think of what it'd be today. Yeah. So does that mean that you got into him on Hollywood? Uh, yeah, same as you. Same as me, yeah. And I think that was like a big, there was like a big push around that time, wasn't there? Like, new metal was starting up. It was sort of like, if you hadn't really heard much about rock and metal before, it was like coming into the mainstream um you know and i was like what 17 or something and it was like an exciting time of my life yeah um so i just started to get really into it and um it kind of grew from there so like you i had to go back and listen to the other two records and i struggled in the sense that they just didn't sound like what um hollywood had sounded like and it wasn't quite what i was expecting but the mechanical animals i found easier to get into because I'd sort of like started reading that he'd taken things from glam rock and I was really into the film Velvet Goldmine because I was obsessed Fucking with Jonathan Reese Myers. And so that was where all Velvet my knowledge That was where all my knowledge of glam rock had come from. And I yeah. found out about like Barry and, and stuff. Um and I could sort of see in mechanical animals there was the whole like um glam thing and you know, obviously as you read more into it you understand like how much you'd taken from there. And then um then having to go back to Antichrist Superstar and sort of knowing what it was about, but not really understanding. And I think it wasn't really until a few years later when I went to America and actually saw how culturally different it is to the UK that I really understood what Manson was singing about. Do you mm. know what I mean? Mm. Not that you have to go to a place to understand it, but it certainly put it in a different context for me. At that. I was like 20 when I did that. So It's quite interesting quite that young. you say there's a big push on Hollywood because if you actually look at the sales... Of the three rec- of of the, of the trilogy, yeah, it was a massive disappointment. Yeah, like Hollywood is a oh, huge not necessarily like a push, a Manson push, but like a culture push. It yeah. felt like you know, if you were getting into rock and metal at that time, you could get into one of all the all of these different bands. Where I, like before, I genuinely didn't know that like rock and metal was really a thing. Like I love placebo and some indie bands and stuff, but it just felt like around the that time. It was it was more in the cultural consciousness. But it is odd that that record sold so little when it's probably him at the the height of his infamy. Mm. If you if you know what I mean, like I know we're kind of going off topic a little bit, but I was like, I've been doing a lot of reading up on Manson recently because, funnily enough, do you mind me saying this, man? No, you, no, go um, Mel will be coming on my podcast at some point, and we're going to be having a quite a similar discussion about Marilyn Manson, I think. Um, and um, so I've been reading up a lot about the kind of the trilogy and uh, yeah, you know, Manson was in, in terms of how famous he was, um, you know, being in, they, they blame it on Marilyn, like Eminem says, mm. and him coming on him being in the video for, you know, that Eminem took a little bit of his, stole a little bit of his thunder, I think around that period. Mm. But 
They were the two. Yeah, yeah, Eminem became public enemy number one. Yeah, but Manson was very definitely public enemy number two. And I almost mm. felt like, you know, two different sides of the same coin. Yeah, definitely. But, but Manson, is, it didn't translate into record sales. Whereas obviously with Eminem, it did. And Manson's record sales had kind of already plateaued and already mm. peaked before Hollywood came out. Although I feel like... Well, I think yeah, from, a, one, from a shock point of view, man, you know, man, four years is a long time in music and, mm. and uh, you know, to draw the comparison to Eminem, Eminem was a, relatively speaking, a new kid on the scene and the ways in which he was scaring the shit out of middle America wasn't quite the same the way Manson was. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, if Hollywood was a funny time for it. And I, and I, I think Hollywood was the best thing that he's ever done. And I'd say that as someone who thinks that run of Antichrist Mechanical Animals and Hollywood of three 10 out of 10 albums, to be honest. But I think Hollywood is just such an incredible statement in light of everything that had happened. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. So, because yeah, they didn't vote for it. So cheers, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah, Antichrist Superstar, you know, definitive Manson album, put them on the map. Um, I took a while to get into it because I went from uh Hollywood, which is this kind of expansive sprawling like industrial metal pop opera almost it's just a ridiculous uh album um and then i and then I went and picked up mechanical animals and I, I well actually what I did was listen to last tour on earth and then I went and got mechanical animals based off the song based on the songs off that live record um so you're actually I, listening to the trilogy in in the order, order. it was supposed to be yeah, yeah it's presented yeah weird um but uh i think actually all things considered mechanical animals is the boldest thing marilyn manson has ever done because for him to be this kind of industrial metal uh like super goth looking figurehead for you know the metal scene okay you can debate how metal marilyn manson's music is but he was a metal superstar at that point yeah and then to just suddenly um completely change his image up and produce like an album of like straight up I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a very multi-layered record, but basically he went and put out an album of straight-up glam rock bangers, changed his name to Amiga, changed the whole band's kind of visual aesthetic, mm. um, obviously leaning very heavily on his love for David Bowie. Um, but it, it was just a crazy thing to go and do. I mean, yeah. talk about like, we, we often talk about how the best thing a metal band can do um, when they're reaching a certain level is to completely confound expectations and just do something that's going to completely blow people away and... and go totally outside the box of where people would have put them and that move that Manson did on Mechanical Animals I don't think people really talk about it enough because it's a fucking mental thing to go and do Insane and it worked like, yeah I mean, it worked I, it, and he became an even bigger cultural icon I mean those images of like him and Rose McGowan on all the yeah. red carpets and stuff is it was a massive part of 90s uh, alternative culture I mean to go to pick up on that like that massive as someone who was massive on Manson on Antichrist Superstar like the second time it, you know, by the time they played, he played Redding and then it went away and then he came back with Mechanical Animals. I was so alienated by Mechanical Animals at first to the point where, I mean, I bought the Dope, the Dope show got released. They, they used to do like CD single releases, which would be usually released a week before an album came out. So I bought the Dope show on single and I was like, what is this? Nah, like nah. And I didn't even bother with the album for ages. And I saw all the pictures and I read the reviews and I was like, this this is this is too much. Mm. I mean, in retrospect, 
I think it's a very, very good record. I think what it is, is you're right, it, it's brave. But I mean, why personally I would plump for Antichrist Superstar over Mechanical Animals? There's a few reasons. And one of them, I think, is Mechanical Animals is, is a reactionary record. It's a reaction to Antichrist Superstar. Mm. You can't have Mechanical Animals unless Antichrist Superstar exists. That's a really fair point. Um, and I think it's cool that he went so far against the grain and changed everything up to that point. But just in terms of Antichrist Superstar is a uh, a revolutionary record. I think Mechanical Animals is a reactionary record. Um, I think it's got some really, really great songs in it. But again, when we were talking about Leech before and saying about Dynamics, Dynamics is really, really important. And I don't think there's anything that happens on Mechanical Animals that shows as big a sort of sonic, stylistic... Mm deviation and dynamic shift from something like 1996 1996 and then two songs later the man that you fear yeah, yeah. like i don't think mechanical animals ever goes that far so that, i mean yeah it definitely doesn't it's it's purposely a very concise record it's his yeah. most concise record you mm. could probably say um but purely for song power, I th you know, purely for like how good are the songs on this album compared to the songs on this album, I think it runs it pretty close, you know. I think it this really is one does. of those really annoying things. This is like when we have office conversations and you make me rank things or like do lists of things. Get used to it, Al, because we've got a lot more of these to come. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really annoying because to me, it's like choosing between two completely different things. It's not just like, yeah, really here's different. two chocolate bars. It's like, here's a chocolate bar and here's a bowl of ice cream. But You'd pick the ice cream though. <sighs> I would, yeah. Like, I know, <laughs> I know you. For <laughs> I that. hate you, Merlin. All the side. It's just two really different moods. It was really interesting what you said about it being sort of a reaction and a response, yeah. and it's like, you know, um, Antichrist Superstar. It's like you've got something that's kind of I'm trying to think how to put it. It just kind of sounds like he's like just putting everything out there. It's like kind of it sounds sort of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Prophetic? Yeah, it does. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, here's a concept record. And I, again, what uh, to just, sorry to butt in again. That's but all right. I think Antichrist Superstar is a, con is a concept album with a clear narrative story. Now, I, you know, I don't know how you feel about concept. Like, probably, if I was to pick my top 10 albums ever, two of them would be concept records that have very, but they have to have a very, very clear mm. concept and a very, and I think, I'm not sure if the story of Antichrist Superstar is particularly clear, but certainly the concept and the feel that you are getting um, some sort of narrative, whether or not you can work out what the narrative is, is very clear. I don't really think you get that. You don't get that kind of, um, you know, Marilyn Manson, Antichrist Superstar is a record about, I want to, I'm this, dude who becomes the biggest most evil kind of super rock star in the world and he did it on that record mm -hmm. and there's a kind of there's a there's a, a black magic about being able to do that you know to go here's a record i'm going to make this record and then that what this record about will actually come true in real life it's a really kind of creepily cool thing which just adds to his whole mystique or added to his whole mystique at that time i think i think it sounds very outward looking like the songs are very much like projecting emotion outward and things just being kind of uh loud and more metal and more like you know you can sort of when you listen to it even if you've not like watched him it just sounds like he could sort of be lying on the floor and like screaming things out and stuff yeah. but then mechanical animals to me is that more like inward energy it's the more like it's like the yin and the yang type thing it's like it's more of the sort of inward and more about 
um, him being on drugs and like the sort of more like low moods and it's a bit more it's yeah it just seems a bit more inward it seems like an outward and inward thing which is why i think it's really hard to pick between them then you get someone like crypto child on and i, I superstar again bearing in mind i was just getting into metal new metal was more my reference point i hadn't got into like extreme metal and stuff first time i heard crypto child i was like what the fuck it is freaked this me out. Gen- yeah genuinely freaked me sk- out i was like, a bit like this is weird even at like 16 i used to be like i might goosebumps this. just thinking about it <laughs> yeah i might think my hairs are up because <laughs> it's really like making me feel kind of weird yeah like that kind of a- chanting bit at the end with the weird synthesized voice like prick the finger it is done it's yeah. probably just like ah! and then when he brings <laughs> it back later i mean again like oh, one of the best it- callbacks on an album yeah, ever like, ever so ever. good so good and that in itself all of that kind of tells a story and keeps the narrative and i just yeah i think there's some wicked stuff on mechanical animals i think there's some brilliant brilliant songs on that record i do but i think I do a think lot that... of them exist in kind of exist in isolation whereas if i want to listen to something for even though you know the beautiful people is one of his is, is his biggest song i don't really want to listen to antichrist superstar I don't want to listen to that song. I want to listen. If I want to listen to Antichrist Superstar, I want to listen to it all the way through. Yeah, I don't sure. want to like sure. the like. I mean, like I, the Wall by Pink Floyd is one of my all-time favorite records. I fucking love that record, and I don't want to just pick one song out of the wall and listen to it. I want to listen to the whole thing. And I think as a as an album, that's why that's Antichrist Superstar works. But yeah, it, but then yeah, you can pick out true. great songs from Mechanical Animals, but, and but it does you, work in a different way, like you say. It does. I mean, if, me if you now. go through Mechanical Animals and just <laughs> look at the songs like on here, down on it, if you go, I like it. If you go through the songs on Mechanical Animals one by one, Great Big White World, unbelievable. Dope Show, unbelievable. The title track, unbelievable. Rock is Dead, like massive Rock is single. Dead is like all time, in it? Like Disassociative and Speed of Pain are amazing, like more acoustic-y, like Elle said, like personal numbers. Post-Humans are banger. Once It Disappears are banger. Don't like the drugs, like it's ridiculous. And then it's got the and it ends as well with the last day on earth and coma white, which are literally yeah. two of his best songs. Yeah, he's ever that done. is a strong ending to that record. That yeah. makes me feel better now. Coma White's probably my favorite. You had made me, you'd made me feel sad because Why? I because I, I was just thinking how much good stuff there is in mechanical animals. Yeah, so you've made such a good case for Antichrist. Well, look, look, coma white is probably my favorite. Coma white is probably my favorite Marilyn Manson song. I when think he, when he does it with the snow. That's mm. the best. That if you're going to make a, a playlist of of the best Marilyn Manson songs, you arguably, or if you're going to, a playlist that would work as like a kind of greatest hit set, yeah. you'd arguably put more songs from Mechanical Animals in than you would Antichrist Superstar. Yeah. Like to make it be like the Marilyn Manson party banger, put this on and everyone has a fucking, do you know what I mean? Like alongside the Nobodies and... Um, uh, disposable teams and stuff like that. Like you would absolutely put a, a great deal of mechanical animals in in that playlist. You wouldn't necessarily pick out that many songs from Antichrist Superstar that kind of exist in isolation. I don't think yeah. so. It has got that going for it. Come on, you just do me a favour. Pop your uh, things back in. Sounds a bit weird somewhere. Hello. Is that right? I think we're good again. That's some weird static on the line there. But yeah, <laughs> it's uh it's absolutely a uh um it's 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 probably more than any two Marilyn Manson albums you could pick to compare. It's a really hard one to go with. Um yeah, they're both classics, they're both ten out of tens, but only one can make it in to the Metal Hum Podcast Hall of Fame. Because we're only doing each artist once, guys. We literally don't have time to do it more than once. <laughs> Uh, so, L, who are you voting for to go through? Why did you make me vote first? Because, 
Well, well now, you know what I'm going to vote for. So I'm <laughs> I, I, I'm going to just say, obviously, I'm going well, for Well, you made a really good star. case for Antichrist Superstar. I just like mechanical animals personally. So it depends how we're judging it. You can judge it however you want. It's up to you. You have, you the have power. to make the choice. I said that in quite a By the, bear, bearing in mind, it's, way, didn't I? it's coming to me at the end. So... I could. So basically, if you vote for Antichrist well, Superstar, okay. you make Merlin utterly redundant. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the first time. <laughs> I think you made a really good case for Antichrist Superstar, but it makes me feel sad to neglect mechanical animals. So I'm going to go with mechanical animals. Oh, right. The, I was going for the bangers. The fucking, <laughs> do you know what that is? That is the thanks for taking part, vote. That is, that is like box ticking nonsense. But it's got really good songs in it. And I feel, yeah, sad, it has. That, I feel sad that it wouldn't get a chance. It's arguably the biggest, most surprising thing he's ever done. Arguably the boldest thing he's done in terms of flying in the face of expectation. Um, and you could make a case for it being the most concise and best set of songs he's ever put out. Whereas I believe Steve is probably <laughs> going to vote for Antichrist Superstar. Well, I already have. There you go then. I thought I've made <laughs> that perfectly clear. Well, I, I technically like... asked for Elle first. Yeah, but I you said, might swerve let me. me, while she was like, um and ah. You might, like, might Hollywood Hogan me, mate. While you, you were know. doing that, and the and the, the the winner of Big Brother is. I don't like choosing old... between two things that I like. It makes me sad. God, wow. So, <laughs> Elle has voted for my, my, um, Mechanical Animals. Uh, yeah. Steve has voted for Antichrist Do you want Superstar. me to give a kind of a succinct reason why again? Yeah, go on. Uh, I just think it's, you know, it is one of the most important records. Um, some records have a magic about them that is very, very difficult to quantify and becomes, uh, you know, kind of more than just a record uh, or a kind of portent of a band or an artist's career. It becomes something which is, I, I think, I think Antichrist Superstar was the right album for the right artist at the right time. All of those things just turned Marilyn Manson into the fact that we're still talking about him, what, 24 years later um, after that record. I don't think any of it could have happened in, to the same degree if it wasn't for the fact that he made such a perfect record. And also Trent Reznor. Fair, fair. Um, well, I'm voting for Hollywood, so it's a three-way tie. Uh, you can't no, vote for Hollywood, okay? <laughs> No, uh, I think... Um, I know, I th no, I, it, it, for me, it is Antichrist Superstar. And I think even though Mechanical Animals has a very good shout at, uh, and it's a very understandable personal favourite for a lot of people, I think if you're putting a Marilyn Manson album into any Hall of Fame, it's got to be Antichrist Superstar. So that is it. I actually you do agree with you. I just wanted Mechanical Animals are you just to get doing it some love. It's what you think should be done. <laughs> or do you honestly No, think I'm... Th uh, if I, I was picking, like I, I genuinely could not pick my favourite album out of those two. I genuinely couldn't. Hollywood is my favourite Marilyn Manson album and I would make a genuine uh, shout for that to go in for a variety of reasons, but we're not here to do that. So I think I genuinely struggle. I don't think I could tell you which album out of Antichrist Superstar and Mechanical Animals I like more. Um, so I'm I going on a wider you, you thing of were, what I oh. think should go in. Uh, just on musical merit, it would be a dead type, but on the wider implications of what it did for him, um, it should be Antichrist Superstar for me. So you, there you go. You that is it for the first Hall of Fame. We'll have another one coming up in a few weeks or so. Uh, feel free to pitch. Uh, we've got a little thread going on um, the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash Metal Hammer Readers. 
uh, where we're asking people to suggest stuff. Loads of cool suggestions in there. We're not just going to pick obvious bands. It's not all going to be the Maidens and Metallicas. People are suggesting bands like Gajira, Architects, Mastodon, The Prodigy. Loads of cool ideas. So we'll definitely be picking up some of those. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming by. It's all right. Pop by again soon. No. <laughs> yeah no of course I will I'd love to put back on the next 100th episode of the Metal Hub oh. podcast number 200 <laughs> number 200 yeah see you in uh, two, two years two years <laughs> no, come by I'll be that. dead in two years <laughs> don't say that Hopefully. bloody hell Steve uh, I'm gonna be like 40 in six weeks that's fine is no. that what it is yeah well Party. we should have a celebration and a cake uh, let's have a Manson party you're not talking out this one boy that's a big one we you're are gonna, gonna, yeah, still we'll Marilyn Manson playlist celebration time celebrate good Steve's come on just it's awful being this old you know yeah. really bad anyway Steve will be back to inject more positivity <laughs> in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week we're going to be reviewing uh, we're off to Wembley to watch Five Finger Death Punch and Megadeth yeah. uh, and Bad Wolves uh, but mainly those two <laughs> Uh, you're going to be at that as well, aren't you, Steve? Fucking yes, hell, I'm going to come to that, I think. So uh, Elle and I will be reviewing that next week. Uh, also going to be reviewing Twin Temple, the fabulous Twin Temple, who are playing London this week as well. I'm also going to be having an exclusive chat with Twin Temple themselves. All of that is going to be on the show next week. Uh, in the meantime, have a lovely few days and uh, we'll see you soon. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. See you later.